Sweet as. Hi, everybody. Well, it is time for another Awesome Women podcast. And today we have the incredible Tanya with us. Hey, Tanya. Hi, thanks for having me. No worries. Now, Tanya, introducing you very quickly, you are the CEO and founder of Girl Shaped Flames, Unique You and Trellis Collective, just to name a few. Just, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you want to give us a really quick intro on each one of those and then we'll jump into our main topic of discussion? Mm, Absolutely. So Girl Shaped Flames, I started about six years ago now, social enterprise really focused on confidence development for high school girls. Um, And that was born out of a need that I witnessed myself in hiring and employing younger and and early career um, women and starting to see that there was a very concerning uh, low levels of confidence. I was working in Queensland Academy's uh, set of three international baccalaureate high schools at the time, and I was interacting with a lot of parents and and daughters subsequently and sons, um, and I was just very, very concerned at the confidence levels and the resilience levels that I was seeing in young girls. So I wanted to do something where maybe I could connect those girls with fantastic, strong, you know, positive female role models. Uh, and so Girl Shaped Flames was born. Um, and now that, so I ran, I've run that for a number of years. Um, that kind of took itself in a bit of a natural direction into looking at women and girls going into male dominated industries. So I started an industry ignite partnership program 18 months prior to COVID shutting it down. <laughs> but in that very, you know, short period of time I got to run it, we had about 500 girls and parents and educators actually come and physically visit um, organizations around Southeast Queensland. And those organizations tended to be tech, um, water, energy, uh, fire service, things like that. And what I was seeing was that when we could really break down the barriers of lack of knowledge, lack of understanding and lack of confidence about potentially pursuing careers into these industries and areas, if we could connect girls with women um, who could tell them about it, answer their questions and so on and so forth, um, then we have a far greater chance of being able to encourage them into those industries and all of the amazing things that lie there for them. Um, when COVID happened and shut that down, essentially, I um, I mean, if, if there's anyone who knows me, you know, one of my character traits is stubborn <laughs> and I don't take no for an answer. So I kind of set about going, all right, well, how else can we do this? And when we saw all the schools coming online, um, it provided a real opportunity to take what we were doing with the Industry Ignite program online. So Unique You, which is the not-for-profit that I run, was born. And that is a career advisory platform where girls in grades 9 through 12 can book video calls with women working across 10 um, industries that are underrepresented by women and construction definitely being one of those. Um, and we absolutely, at the moment with Unique You, we have our fantastic uh, partners with BMD and Hutchinson Builders um, and Oricon as well um, in there in the engineering space. And so um, that has been trundling along and growing rapidly uh, over the last two years. And we're really proud of everything that we've achieved on that so far. But now that's also led me to, you know, in all my spare time, I thought maybe I might start a third company. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's more of a consulting coaching um, organization where I now want to also be trying to support young women in their first five years of being in a male dominated 
environment and and try to forge a career under some of the challenge within some of the challenges that um a landscape that is higher populated by men than women can can provide we're doing all this work to try to get girls out of high school and to, to forge their way into these pathways um but what we also need to make sure is that we are supporting those young women once they go into those workplaces um and helping them build their connections and their peer community and support groups so trellis collective has been my attempted answer to that yep. um running sort of programs or coaching programs in a community and things like that so it's been when you sit back and look at it in its entirety it has been quite a natural evolution of things um all underpinned by a, a very deep-seated passion for and belief in the potential that girls and young women have um, and the right that they have to fulfill that potential for themselves personally and then also for whichever organization is has hired them and, and um, giving them those career opportunities yeah cool sums it all up nicely well <laughs> <laughs> albeit slightly long-winded but <laughs> No, you know, we got there. there, right? I mean, it was a summary of each, absolutely. Um, and I'm sure people listening are going, oh, my God, how she do all of this and <laughs> look at all up and everything else. But I think a lot of it is when you have the passion that you have, you just make the time, you find the time, right? You make the time to do these things. You do and they tend to, because they complement each other, you end up having crossover conversations and, and um and so really you also tend to find and like this is kind of around how you and i ended up connecting as well is you find those people who are passionate about the same thing you're passionate about and then you, you tend to sort of get in cahoots with each other and go okay well how can we all work a bit better to forge this forward so a number of these things have just been a, a very natural kind of evolution of each yeah. other with uh, the same absolutely. support and that collaboration is important because why, mm. why reinvent the wheel if somebody's mm. doing it, right? Why yeah. not collaborate and partner? And, you know, yes, there's opportunities there with funding and, and grant opportunities and whatnot, but I think it's just also better when we build communities, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, cool. Now, I want to have a chat to you particularly about starting early. Mm-hmm letting our young ladies know in high school, if not earlier, mm -hmm. about their opportunities in life, their opportunities in a career, in a male-dominated industry. Mm. My focus is obviously women in construction, but mm. it could be space. It could be marine. It could be mechanic, mm. right? Mm. How and when do we start that conversation with them? And at what point do we need to bring their parents and guardians along for the ride too? Oh, my goodness. Well, parents whether they like it or not, are, are, are on board strapped in from yeah. day one, really. Um, and it depends. We don't have time to go into all of the psychological machinations of where gender norms and bias and stereotypes are embedded from a young age. But it, if we look at construction, we're here to talk, you know, specifically about construction, for example, what we're really looking at is ensuring, um, and I think it's even about splintering this off into a few different motivations. So the likes of you and I are motivated particularly for two reasons. One, for the benefit of the individuals. So like I said before, being passionate about young women having the opportunity to fulfill their own potential for themselves so they can have a fulfilling life. They can have financial stability and freedom. They can feel fulfilled. You know, we, all, we all want that. And if you're a parent, you absolutely want that for your child. 
Um, but then the other side that you and I both walk as well is the benefit to the industry and the benefit to the organizations and the fact that we know that uh, a more a diverse representation um, within an organization industry all of the numbers and statistics show us about how much better it is for the company profitable the culture etc cetera, etc cetera. so if we're coming at it from these couple of different angles i think it's important for the listeners depending if you're a parent or if, or if you're someone who works professionally in the industry there's different motivations as to why we want to encourage girls even very young yeah. uh, all the way to to be able to it's not necessarily to corral them into a particular pathway for our own benefit this is about ensuring that they believe and feel and are empowered to know that they can go and do whichever the things they choose to do and the disappointing thing that continues to exist even though we're all working very hard to try to mitigate it is even from the ages of two three four five years old we still have boys being given tool belts pretend construction kits toys that you bang so that you you know my my boys i've got two boys and they have those colored thing yeah. that when they were kids you we know, grew up with things them, you bang right? in yeah, exactly yeah. now they and and diggers and helmets yeah. and visor vests like all of those are still traditionally given to boys as birthday presents and yeah. gifts and toys and still not traditionally given to young girls um, including the type of play that's encouraged, getting out in the backyard, ripping up the garden, dirt, and so on and so forth. Much more still very natural to let boys do that, mm -hmm. whereas girls not necessarily encouraged as much in that direction. So when we're talking about you know bias and, and societal expectations being set, we're talking about from birth. When it then we start getting into the schooling system, it obviously again talking about construction, we're looking at accessibility to um, construction oriented learning. Uh, so whether we're talking about woodwork and metalwork and all those types of hands on things, or even if we are talking about um, architectural skills, yep. planning skills, project management skills, those types of things, again, those tend to also be offered more in boys schools not yeah. so much offered in girls schools and so on and so forth as someone who went to a girls school and, and encouraged right and encouraged yeah indeed yeah. um so i think that in answer to your very long answer to your question yes we have to start early but it's not about thrusting a hammer into a young girl's arm and saying you should work in construction yeah. it's about empowering her to feel what it like will feel what it is like to build to construct to plan to create to disrupt to um all the things that are underpin a landscape of working in, in construction letting them from a very early age experience those things and feel them even though they they won't cognitively oh. know what it is they're doing yeah. when it translates later into work right um if we make our way past that young stage, then when we get into high school, there it's really about knowledge. So it really has to be about demystifying what the world of work landscape is like within, say, construction um, and helping them understand, breaking down stereotypical views of what, you know, the very typical kind of representation of construction is widening out their understanding of the pathways and the opportunities and the job types the role types you know the pathways that are actually available for them 
um, enhancing their knowledge around the benefits of working in the industry, the financial opportunities that exist in the industry, um, the the sheer scale of of projects you can work on, impact you can have. We've got the Olympics coming up in ten years, less than now. Um, the types of things that they can be involved with and that, that, that excitement that's around that. Um, and then this now leads us into what you and I were, were starting to chat about when it comes to the responsibility of parents and educators. But what I will do is I'll take a breath at this point in time and see if you want to say <laughs> anything because once I start, you just got to cut me off basically. Oh, look, and again, that's where that passion comes from because even for me, as you mentioned, even those young ladies, you know, and and to me, we do it with gender reveal parties, right? It's pink and blue. <laughs> you know, at its basic level, we're, we're identifying straight away, right? And Straight out of the bat. They're not even cooked yet. not even cooked yet. We're defining you already. So, uh, but, yeah, you're right, you know, and it's giving girls tonka trucks and letting them get dirty. I mean, I was fortunate I grew up on property, so there was no issue mm. and there was no separation of boy and girl jobs, right? Mm. If the cows needed to be fed, you fed the cows. Mm, yeah. You know, if it was raining and the clothes were on the line, you took it off because mm. the wrath of mum and the wet clothes was not worth mm. it. So you mm. just took them off, you know. Exactly. Um, and I think that, you know, but we don't all have that fortunate upbringing. Um, the other thing that has been uh, really noticeable and particularly when we did the interviews for the um, AWIC Awards last October is that a high percentage of the ladies who were nominated and finalists, their dads were a strong role model in their life, mm, like, mm. really strong. Now, dad may not have been in construction, but mm. dad was either, you know, rebuilding the engine of the purple people mm-hmm. in a car or he was actively engaged and coaching them in their sport. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a he was a present father figure and mentor mm. and at eight we don't necessarily understand mm. or see that guidance in that direction, right? but it was a very true strength that came out of that panel of discussions. Yeah. And look, we're not going to see that change for at least another two generations, I would say one and a half if we're lucky. But if we think about the number of women that we need to be in the industry right now of child, Mm. um, of, of desire of starting a family and then starting a family and then having that, those children grow to being 16 years old when they can start sort of chasing, choosing these directions we're still a solid 30 years away from having women be um, ha- having a high enough number of women be in construction roles in construction leadership roles and so on and so forth to be breaking that stereotype. So in the meantime, yeah, from a parenting standpoint, but what from in the meantime, we need to do what essentially unique you is doing, which is we need to at all opportunities, increase the visibility and accessibility mm-hmm. of women role models who are in this position. Now, I think it's really important that accessibility piece. And that's, again, this is why I wanted to create Unique the way I did is because while a first fantastic step is visibility, it's making sure that women are represented on websites and posters and flyers and they go out to schools and they speak and so on and so forth, but it's the accessibility. It's the opportunity for them to hear from them, um, ask, the women questions so that they can have them answered that's the next piece that for decades we've not done very well all we've done is really shown all these pictures which is it and we can't 
downplay the impact that that has. It has a huge impact when a girl can go to a website and flick through it and see herself represented there. Fantastic. Amazing. The accessibility is where we will start looking at conversions. So I have a background in marketing and advertising, and I always liken um, all the visibility stuff to mass marketing. So TV commercials and radio commercials are all mass marketing. But what we're talking about is more of that direct marketing where direct sales almost where you are sitting in front of a young girl and you are helping her break down those barriers that stand between her and potentially heading towards that direction. Yep. Which I think is a fantastic segue into talking about parents. Done. Let's do it. <laughs> parents, I don't mean to put the word bar- barriers and parents <laughs> in the same Everything. sentence. Because I, I think that what I will say is that while we still have a long way to go, um, I do believe parents' uh, influence over girls, young girls is becoming uh, more well-rounded and positive. We have a way to go. Research tells us that the two key influencing factors in a girl's decision-making process when she's trying to decide which career to undertake, the number one is herself yep. and the num- second one is her parents. Yep. So career advisors, friends, all of us running around trying to help influence them, we are still not as important as themselves if they are self-driven and then their parents. So what that means is that parents inadvertently are playing such a significant role in shaping the gender equality landscape of Australia that they don't even realize that they have this opportunity to impact. Um, Some may not care as well, but we all care. So (laughs) if we can rally, (laughs) we can rally, that would be amazing. So what we are really looking for from parents is to um and a way that we're slightly shifting the way unique you works this year is is to incorporate parental participation and communication a bit more is that first and foremost we really need parents to educate themselves because what happens is if you come into a conversation with your daughter and you come into it with a limited understanding about what it is she might be interested in or, or inquiring about there is an absolutely unavoidable bias um, that you're bringing to that conversation. And it's a bias based on, I don't know. And when we don't know things and we combine those with loved ones, a sense of fear creeps in of the unknown. And therefore we go into protective mode and it's very instinctive to go, Ooh, don't know about that. Now, the other thing that inadvertently parents and I'm going to say we as parents because I am a parent myself my children aren't quite old enough yet to be doing their career pathways but I'll I'll join parents in this in this discussion personally is that we unfortunately also bring our own bias so what we do know of an industry now not just construction this is tech agriculture everywhere what we know of an industry we often have formed our own bias um, ourselves about it so my dad was a civil engineer. I grew up on red dirt, you know, work sites and things like that. So to me, um, construction is, it is dirty, it's dangerous, it's men, it's, you know, rah, 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 all the things. VB, not VB. What are we doing, Queensland? Forex. It's, yeah, Forex. It's, it's so beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> afternoon though, right? You know, it's four exactly. o'clock knock off and it's four o'clock knock off. And yeah, we don't, yeah. That's it. That. So, so I, you know, that was embedded 
and now as a parent, I have had to work quite hard to keep broadening my understanding um, so that I don't hold on to that as my only um, perception of an industry that I only know, you know, a certain amount yeah. about. I'm lucky enough to know more and more about all these industries as I work within them. But um, as parents, we bring that. Now, I say to mums all the time, um, and we're on a podcast, so you can't see what I'm doing here, but there is a patch of skin that exists in between your two eyebrows, right? Right above the bridge of your nose, right there. And I always get the enunciation of this incorrect. So just don't anyone go and Google this because you'll have, you'll prove me wrong. But the name of it, I believe, is like your guardia or your guarda or something like that. And this is the most powerful section of your face when it comes to imparting your bias about career directions on your daughter. Because all it takes is for your daughter to come home and say, oh, mom, we had this woman come and talk to us today and she's a project manager over at insert construction company here. And she was saying, you know, she's doing some really cool projects and, and for the Olympics and stuff. And I'm wondering whether I might look at some apprenticeships. And all mum or dad has to do is create this little crease that happens in the Guardia. You don't have to say anything. Even if your voice goes, oh, wow, that's interesting but you have this crease, you have just imparted your bias onto your daughter that says, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good idea. Yeah. Mm. Now, going back to the two most influential people in your daughter's life, yeah. you're now one of them and you've told her inadvertently, I'm not sure about that. So what it just means is it just means that as parents, what I'm imploring parents to do is to try to come into any conversations that you have with your daughter about her career pathway or her studies or subject selection or whatever she might be choosing to do, come into them with as open mind as you possibly can, come into them with so much curiosity about what makes you interested in that and what have you heard about it? What do you know? Bring me up to speed. I want to understand. Really seek out building your own knowledge. You know, once she's gone to bed, you sit there on Google and be like, what does the project what manager the, do? Yeah, <laughs> How much yeah. do they make? You know, yeah, what's yeah. the job security? And just get yourself that knowledge and have try to have as positive a conversation with your daughter, regardless of what it is she's talking to and regardless of how feasible you think her ideas are. Because I think that's the other thing is that we inadvertently, we seek to protect and studies show that we seek to protect girls more than we seek to protect boys. So if they're sitting there and we think, oh gosh, I don't know if she can even do that job. I don't know if she's going to like it. Like, blah, blah, blah. we can project our protection mechanics onto her inadvertently. And then that forms part of her decision-making process about that pathway. So, you know, small request, but if parents can come at things with a really open mind, be curious, go on the journey with your daughter, you know, build up your own knowledge and understanding and try to, both of you try to get some real world understanding and connection. Now, whether that's through something like Unique You, getting on and listening in on a conversation she might have with someone, or whether it's about on-site work experience, placements, you know, connecting her with a family friend that works in the industry, whatever it might be, but just try to be as positive and curious and proactive as you can um, and just see where it leads her. Yeah, absolutely. And to any of the parents listening that may not know where to go, reach out to either of us or both of us. Yeah. We'll be oh, able yeah. to cross-connect. We'll be able to put you in touch with, you know, particularly if they're in, I don't know how schools work these days. It's been a while since I've been there. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if they need to do work experience or whatever, you know, and they want to give 
being a project manager a go or being a draftee or whatnot, mm. reach out to us. We've got a whole community of people that are here ready to help. And if mm. nothing else, then just to have that conversation, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Fantastic. You're doing fabulous work. I love it. I love watching Thanks. and cheering you from the sidelines. And, um, yeah, it's it all makes a difference. Sometimes mm. it doesn't necessarily feel like it in those days, but <laughs> it is all worth it and we are um, collectively changing perceptions. Mm. Um, and like you said, it will take a few years to do so, but we have to start, right? Otherwise we're still going to be here in 10 years' time saying exactly the same thing. 100%. We have to start and then we have to support so i mean that's really where trellises come in because we're doing all this work to try to convince and show the opportunities that exist for young people and young women and then get them through the door and then unfortunately there are still really um disappointing statistics around turnover and and uh, retention essentially of young women who go into male dominated industries and then don't stay. Mm -hmm. But yet what we can anecdotally draw from data is that if you can get them to stay past five years, they hit some sort of level of, you know, seniority management, middle management responsibility, whatever it might be. We have a far higher chance of keeping them in the industry. If we lose them in those first five years, more often than not, you're not just losing them from the company, you're going to lose them from the industry. And it's very hard to get them back again because now they've decided. So for me, I think, you know, we talk about how we can tackle this pipelining um, and where is the right point to tackle it. And they're all the right points, but we have to basically identify where are the leaks happening? Mm -hmm. How do we put support structures in place that are going to reduce that um, leak and, and by that I mean the retention, increase the retention to so reduce the loss of talent, young female talent um, in all of these industries. But yeah, construction, yeah. Um, I didn't get time, I didn't get a chance in my intro to rattle off my fun statistics, but you just know, all Do you want to do them now quickly? Yeah, because there's definitely some Let's stats people oh, out good, there. Oh, look, the nerd in me loves a good stat. Let's do <laughs> I it. love a good stat. <laughs> So we were doing some research for an upcoming event that we're running with um, and I was looking at the workplace equality, uh, workplace gender equality agency um, data. And it's the data that we turned to a couple of years ago when I was trying to identify which industries needed this early pipelining more than others. So we're looking at um, the proportion of women that work within uh, an industry um, in particular. So Wajia um, generate this data in their annual report. And if we look at between 2020, when I started UniQ in 2022, I don't mention that to take any credit for any, any movement <laughs> in the statistics by any stretch. I'm just saying, to it. give you all context on the journey. <laughs> so 2020, between 2020 and 2022, so construction, for example, has increased, shock horror, which is amazing, from 18.1% of women being women um up to 24 percent now so in two years um smashed through increasing six percent representation and i say smashed through slightly joking because um it's not a heck of a lot of a big number but actually not joking that much because in comparison to every other one of the industries that has less than 40 percent representation construction was by far the biggest jump now the next biggest jump i don't think i have my document open in front of me right now but the next biggest jump was 2.5 percent and virtually anyone else who went upwards was between half a percent and a percent 
of how much the dial moved in two years in their industries. Um, and any of the comp- any of the industries, uh, and then that wasn't even all of the industries, about half of, I think four out of the nine industries went backwards, um, which is not great either. So I think what's interesting there is construction, however, how great that jump was, construction is still the third lowest by Wajir's data um, with only mining and then public admin and safety sitting lower than construction in um, the representation of women, the proportion of representation. So from this, you know, we can see that construction is making gains in this area. I think that is absolutely credited to the likes of, um, you know, organizational bodies, groups like yours. Um, you know, we work with Hachis, BMD and Oricon, and they are all very committed. Uh, I know that, you know, they've brought in recent legislation in Victoria around mandating certain minimums on site and so on and so forth. So it's an industry that is being very proactive in its approach. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up because if I can have one last word to the parents, I think that's a really good indication of the way things are changing um, within the industry that are breaking down the preconceived kind of notions we had about construction. It's not perfect yet. There is still work to be done. I think we all recognize that. But the support structures, the role models, the even just the DNI policies, um, the way that all of this is being addressed in construction in particular, I think bodes so well for the future for young women who are looking at a pathway um, that could potentially be into construction. Yeah, absolutely. I love a good start. Thanks, Tanya. No worries. Uh, I know, no particularly worries. when it's a positive one, right? Well, that's it. Yeah. No, this is nice. If I had to do a podcast with the manufacturing sector at the moment, it would not be, <laughs> not be such a positive number. Sorry, guys. Well, we'll, we'll take the positivity for construction. We, we'll, we'll take it. Definitely. For sure. So Definitely. Thank you very much, Tanya. We will connect everybody or, or share all of your websites and links and everything so that if anybody's got any questions or they want to support you or they want to, yeah. you know, do anything to help, they can reach out. And in the meantime, thank you very much for your time and thank you thank for everything you. you're doing. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Amanda. Love it. No worries.